begin a new sermon series uh, today, and we're going to go through uh, the, uh, the, these four weeks left in August on this, and uh, we're going to be calling it Back to Basics. And uh, the reason for that is, is because um, there's a biblical value uh, that we seek to claim and promote in the life of our church and to fulfill. And that is that we, we want people to grow to be uh, fully mature spiritually uh, as followers devoted to following Jesus Christ. And the Bible talks about that in so many different ways and places. That we're challenged to grow up in our faith, to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that we're to grow so that we can be presented to Christ and perfect in every way. And that means simply in the ways that we've been designed uh, to be fulfilled in, in God's sight. And so today we begin looking at uh, the first uh, of these basic messages, uh, focusing upon the Bible. And I think that's one of the basic things you could ever do. If we want to get back to the basics of our faith that are going to allow us to grow to maturity is to get back to the Bible. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. That's in Hebrews 5.12. And in verse 14, the writer of Hebrews says, but solid food is for the mature. So, if we understand this correctly then, when the Bible talks about milk, that's talking about food for the, uh, uh, for the, for the young believers, for those who have um, a new birth maybe, or they haven't grown very much in their life. Then that's, this is the beginning truth, the foundational truth uh, in Christian life. When we're talking about solid food, that refers to the deeper things of faith that we need to move on. We need that solid, we need that, that solid foundation with the milk. And then we need to move it uh, towards the, the, the mature food. You know, it's just like in the life of a baby. Uh, you know, we watch babies that they take the milk, the mom, sometimes mama's milk, sometimes the formula. And then as they uh, grow and mature, then they get to go into the solid food uh, or, or, or pureed food or whatever and all that. And then baby food out of jars and that. And then it's a process of continuing to growing and developing. And the same is true with us in our spiritual intake in our lives. And so when we're thinking about this back to basics and uh, our need to grow and mature and develop, we're going to look at these things over the next four weeks. First of all, we're going to be talking about the need for Bible study. Next week, we're going to talk about the importance of prayer and we ask you and challenge you about your prayer life. Then on the 24th, we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper as we talk about worship. And then on the 31st, we're going to talk about stewardship and what does it mean to be a steward. And I don't think you can get any more basic in the believer's life and a follower of Jesus Christ in those things. Bible study, prayer, worship, and stewardship. I mean, I, I just don't know we can get any more basic than that. And then we're looking towards September, launching a new series in the fall, and, and just being ready to go and move for what God wants us to do. But today we're going to focus about the Bible and the importance of reading and studying our Bible. And I just came up with this title as I was going through this, Is There Dust on Your Bible? And the reason for that is because the Bible still remains the best-selling book of all times, but the least read book. Americans, I'm told, spend $1.7 billion every year on buying Bibles. Now, what do you do with those things? What do you do with them? You just buy them to put them on the coffee table, on the bedside table, or to, you know, to, just to put them out for show? I like the story told where the pastor was coming to visit the, in the home and he made his way in before the mother could get everything ready and they were sitting there talking and she looked at the little boy and she said, Johnny, go get that book that mama loves so much. And he came back with a serious robot catalog. 
I don't know what people do with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe we've got a better trend going on in Bible study today. But $1.7 billion spent on Bibles. And it's still the least read book. I found this interesting. There are 978 versions of the Bible in 676 languages. In the English language, there are over 40 versions. And the NIV, New International Version, or some people call it the nearly inerrant version, are being the most popular in total sales. The one that's the most intriguing to me, and I saw it for the first time at the bookstore out here, Family Christian Bookstore uh, at, at uh, Sand Hills, is that Barden and Marcy Publishing creates a waterproof, 100% waterproof Bible. Uh, the pages are waterproof. It will float. But yet at the same time, you can use a dry highlighter and you can mark on it. And I'm told that it comes in colors of blue, pink, camouflage. It comes in NIV, King James, ESV, uh, New Living Translation, and NASB. And somebody says it's the perfect Bible for a casual poolside reader. Isn't that something, a Bible that will float? I think that says something else about, about the, uh, the Bible. The Word of God will remain and abide forever. Now, in all the studying that I've done, here's, a, here's an interesting observation. We know, if you've kept up with these things, that with new translations of the Bible coming out, there have been some challenges about gender and about should it be neutral gender in there, particularly related to God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Here's an interesting thing. Have you noticed that never has there been any challenge of changing Satan or the devil from a he to a she? That's interesting, isn't it? I guess nobody wants to go there. For good reason, right? Now, besides a waterproof Bible that floats, here's one of the other ones you might be interested in. It's known as the Adultery Bible or the Wicked Bible. Why? Well, it was produced in 1632 for King Charles I. It was supposed to be uh, a reproduction of the King James Version of the Bible. But the translators left out a very important word, the word not, in the Seventh Commandment. And so the Seventh Commandment read this way. Instead of saying, thou shalt not commit adultery, it read, thou shalt commit adultery. Now, you can imagine that created some problems. Might have made some people happy, but it created problems in the spiritual realm. No? Now, I just want us to do a quick little, quick little test here, okay? And let's test our Bible knowledge. I want to give you, give you three simple questions, okay? We'll see if we can get the questions and then the answer on the screen. How many books are in the Bible? How many of you know that? How many books are in the Bible? How many? 66. 66. Is that the correct answer? Absolutely. How many books are in the Old Testament? 39. 39. Where's that Bible scholar hollering that out back there? <laughs> that Mr. Trump? Yes, sir. Okay. 39. How many of you knew that? Ah, okay. How many books in the New Testament? <laughs> How many? 27. 27. Did everybody know that? 27. Now, let's take it a little bit deeper, okay? Let's see if we can get all this up here. Which of these are not in the Bible? Now, let's just look at all of them first. Cleanliness is next to godliness. God helps those who help themselves. Confession is good for the soul. We are prone to sin as sparks fly upward. Money is the root of all evil, and honesty is the best policy. Which, which of those are not in the Bible? Huh? Well, wait a minute. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in your Bible? How about money 
is the root of all evil. That's not in your Bible? It says what now? Well, you know what? I believe some of you that spent $1.7 billion on Bibles are using them. That's good. That's right. None of those are found in the Bible. They're close. Some of them about, you know, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And then the one that talks about we are prone to sin as the sparks fly upward. Job said that we are prone to trouble as the sparks fly upward. So that's close. A little bit tricky questions. Now let me ask you one more in-depth one. Um, and that is this. Do you have any earthly idea how many words there are in the Bible? Lots of them. 773,692 words in the King James Version. That's a lot. More than going with the wind, war and peace, and there was another one that was compared to, I forget. Okay? So we saw how well we did. Some of you knew, knew them real well. Some of you maybe just didn't raise your hand, okay? But I would suggest that it's time for all of us to shake the dust off our Bible and start reading it. Now, this is, this is I hope you understand, everything I tell you up here is true. Uh, but I had given this title to this sermon long before I started the research on it. And I got into researching on it. And you know, I actually found a song that was done by Hank Williams and then later on by Kitty Wells entitled Dust on the Bible. I'd never heard it before. It's a country and western song. And I found it. I hollered to Rick. I said, Rick, come in here and listen to this. And Rick said, you want somebody to sing it next Sunday? I said, yeah, that'd be great. So, Jesse, it's your honor, okay? You're going to sing like, it'll sound like Hank Williams. All right, dust, dust on the Bible. Get that dust off the Bible and redeem your poor soul. I went into a home one day to see some friends of mine. Of all the books and magazines, not a Bible could I find. I asked them for the Bible when they brought it. What a shame, for the dust was covered over it. Not a fingerprint was plain. Dust on the Bible, dust on the Holy Word, the words of all the prophets and the sayings of our Lord. Of all the other books you'll find, there's none salvation holds. Get that dust off the Bible and redeem your poor soul. You can read your magazines, read of love and tender things, and not one verse of Scripture and one verse did you know When it is the very truth and the contents are good for you Dust on the Bible will doom your poor soul Dust on the Bible, dust on the Holy Word The words of all the prophets and the sayings of our Lord of all the other books you'll find, there's none salvation whole. Get that dust off the Bible and redeem your poor soul. Thank you. Hank couldn't have done it better himself, you know. Yeah, one of the problems is that we got too much dust on our Bibles. Now let me shift gears a little bit with the thought process. 
Have any of you been up like around Franklin, North Carolina, going to the gym mines where you do a little bit of digging and looking for, for, for treasures and all those kinds of things? Well, one too many years ago, a third grader by the name of Griffin McCrory was there with his family, and he paid his money, and he went through the mining process, and he got his bucket of dirt, and uh, was looking through there, and they didn't see anything that looked valuable, but there was one rock that he really liked because of its shape, and so he held on to it. And later on, before they left that site, a clerk in the jewelry store associated with that mine said, let me take another look at that. And when she did so, she discovered that it was 1104 carat sapphire, and it was valued at approximately $45,000. Well, his excavation that day at the mine was worth it. Now, I think most of us are intrigued with these thoughts about buried treasure from Robert Louis Stevenson's novel about that, and then this following what this little boy did. But I want us to look in the Old Testament uh, to the book of Kings, Second Kings. And, and I want us to look at where we see actually the people of God finding the Word of God that's covered with dust. And we're going to look at Second Kings chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse 3. This is about Josiah, good King Josiah, started reigning when he was 8 years old. In the 18th year, we read that this is what took place. In the 18th year of his reign... King Josiah sent the secretary, Saphon, son of Azali, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, Go up to Hilkah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple. And have these men pray, the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphon the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Saphon who read it. And Zaphon the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Zaphon the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Zaphon read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the, of the book of the law, he tore his robes. And he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. Ahikam, son of, of Shaphan, Akbar, son of Micah, uh, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, uh, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Now that was an interesting treasure find, wasn't it? That they went through a restoration project on the temple. And in the process they found the book of the law. What in the world had they been doing in the temple all those years that the Bible was hidden in dust? Well, a little bit of background might help. Josiah came on the throne when he was eight years old. Can you imagine that? In his 18th year, he was, he was moved by the Spirit of God to say, it's time we give attention to the temple. And the reason for that was the people of God had, had gotten so far away from God, they had not devoted themselves to reading and studying and living by the law, 
They were worshiping pagan gods. They put up altars to pagan gods. And they were lost in in spiritual confusion, as you would understand that they would be without that guidance from the Word of God. And so, under Josiah's leadership, they began to restore the temple. And in the process, they discovered the book of the law. I I just can imagine the discovery that was found. They said, no, look, I found this book. What is this? And they open it and discover it's the book of the law. Now, it wasn't the whole Bible. They didn't have it back then. Probably the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay? But in there God has a lot to say. You find the Ten Commandments. You find the story of creation. You find so many things that were so important to them. You find some of the codes and the laws in Leviticus and other places like that, you know? That, that was so important. And they had not been living by that. They had not been living by all of that. And so when Josiah was moved by hearing the Word of God, it says he tore his robes, which is a sign of repentance. And then he began the Reformation. He tore down the altars. He had the people back in the temple. They heard the Word of God. They began to live by the Word of God. And the result was Israel turned from a dead religion and turned to a living God. And a revival took place through the people of God. Now, with that as a backdrop behind what we're talking about today, about this back to basics, and is there dust on your Bible? Let's talk about the value of Bible study and Bible reading. You know, why should that be a value? Why should we incorporate that into our daily life? Well, let me give you several reasons. First of all, because the Bible reveals God to us. I just find it amazing. The more and more that I read and study my Bible, that more and more I see the glory and the majesty of God. I love especially Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 41. If you haven't read that lately, you need to go read it. I mean, it just talks about the awesomeness of God. And all the way through the Bible, we find the Bible revealing to us God in all of His glory and honor and majesty and His love. And then we can fall more in love with God because God chooses to reveal Himself to us and makes Himself vulnerable to us. And God not only tells us about Himself, but He tells us about His Son, Jesus Christ. And He explains to us the very reason why Jesus had to come to earth, and that's because of our sinfulness. But that's not the end of the story. In John 3, 16 and 17, God tells us how much He loves us, that He sent Jesus, that if we believe in Him, we have eternal life. But He also tells us at the same time that He did not send Jesus to condemn us, but to save us from our sinfulness so that we could have that life everlasting with God. See, the the, the more that we know about God, then we learn more and more about what He wants us to do in life. He not only tells us about Himself, He not only tells us about His Son, Jesus Christ, but He tells us how we can meet Jesus Christ, how we can come to know Jesus Christ, how we can become a believer in Jesus Christ as we accept what He did on the cross, as we come to repent of our sin and claim Jesus Christ as our substitute. And all of that is based upon the the resurrection of Christ and His ascension into heaven. And then all the Bible talks to us about the story of creation and how God took nothing and created everything that there is. And we see the creative, powerful work of God and how He spoke the Word. And this world came into existence. It tells us about the love of God for all people, particularly as He chose Israel and, 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 and worked through all the things that they did wrong to rebel against Him to work for their redemption. And then how are we supposed to live our life? 
It's in the Bible that we find where God gives to us, us the moral and ethical and biblical mandates by which we are supposed to live our life. You see, it might be that some people today claim that there are no moral absolutes because they haven't bothered to read what's in the Bible. And that's where we find God's moral absolutes about how we're supposed to live our life. If not, we're a culture and we're a society that says anything goes and you do whatever you want to. And isn't that what it looks like in our culture and our society today? And then you see in His Word God tells us also how we can come to be convicted of our sinfulness and how we can find forgiveness for our sin as it overwhelms us. And so that leads us to talk about how God tells us about living our lives in the manner that pleases Him. And we learn about a lifestyle that is constructive and not destructive. And you're not going to find that in any other reading except as you read the Word of God, the Bible. The writer of Hebrews is right when he says that the Word of God is living and active sharper uh, than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, a two-edged sword was designed in battle that you could slice one way with it and then come right back with the next cut. And it's sharp on both sides. And the Bible is like that. It's how it penetrates. And what does he say? It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, it's the Word of God that teaches us what God stands for, what His absolutes are, and what we're supposed to do in response to that. And if we're not doing that, then the Word of God is like that two-edged sword as it cuts us. You see, when we read the Bible, we find that God reveals Himself to us. And here's the second thing about reading our Bible. The Bible equips us by teaching us How to bring glory to God and find purpose in life. Perhaps one of the best known scriptures that describe the scriptures is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. Which says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that tells us, first of all, about what the Word of God is. That it's God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's breathed by God. Every word. And it's here for doing what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, if God didn't have a plan and a purpose and a mission for us, we wouldn't need the Word of God to equip us. Would we? That's on our seal at Southern Seminary in George. That as we depart, we're supposed to be equipped for the mission and task that God has sent us out to do. You see, when you study the Word of God, it will reveal to you that God has a plan for you. He has a mission for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And that through the teachings of the Holy Scriptures, that are wise to lead us unto salvation. They also teach us how we can serve God and in the process experience joy, peace, and contentment as we fulfill our mission and purpose. Then here's a third reason, a benefit of reading and studying the Bible. It's in the Bible that we're told how to be cleansed from sin. 
So as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should want to remain clean and pure in our heart and live according to how God wants us to live. And the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I mean, that's elementary, isn't it, folks? I mean, that takes me back to my days when I'm like this in Bible school. And we hear those words. Psalm 119 also asks the question, how can a young man keep his ways pure? And the answer is found right there. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen to 1 John 1, 9. Where God's word says to us this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now that verse, when we read that verse, we got an if then. But even before we read that verse, there was a principle there. It's predicated upon this truth that God knows that we will sin and we're not going to live perfect lives, right? So there are two things in this scripture that's got to happen if we confess our sins. See, we've got to be spiritual enough to recognize our sins. And we've got to confess them to God. Then God comes in to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And we are made innocent and blameless and unstained with guilt. See, that's good news, isn't it? You might not ever know that if you didn't read your Bible. And be able to claim that verse, 1 John 1, 9. We also find a beautiful example of that in David's prayer of repentance from his affair with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, 7. When he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. You see, the Bible not only convicts us of our sin, like that two-edged sword, but it also tells us how we can be cleansed from our sin. And restored in a relationship with God. And that's important to know as we live our life. Then there's the fourth advantage of Bible study. Reading our Bible. And it's this, that the Bible feeds us and deepens our faith. So just as we we began talking about uh, immature need milk, which are the very basics of the faith before you can have mature food. You know, we have to grow, and the Bible teaches us how we grow spiritually. When we come to know Christ, we're babe in Christ. Unfortunately, too many people remain in that spiritual condition without growing and maturing in the faith. And it's the Bible that, that feeds us so that we can grow and deepens our faith. See, we have to eat healthily to stay healthy. We, we need to read the Bible to stay spiritually healthy. And as we read the Bible, then we learn how our lives should be lived. And the result is that we find ourselves growing more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. And I love what Paul, the apostle, wrote in in Romans 12, too. When he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, there's a reminder there about how we can be changed and transformed. How God can make us a different person, a new person, a better person, and that the old person will be gone. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul reminds us of that by saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You see, when, when we become a follower of Christ, that old person, mean, wicked, sinful, self-centered, self-righteous, whatever else you need to put in there to describe yourself, that person is gone. And that person is replaced with a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us how we can come to know that and to experience that. And then the fifth thing I think is the benefit of reading the Bible is this, that the Bible gives us guidance and direction for life. I mean, isn't it so that that, that we're faced all the time with multiple decisions that we have to make and they never seem to stop? They, they just never seem to stop. The more that we go through our life, the more decisions that we need to make and the more wisdom that we need. And the Bible gives us that guidance and direction for life. And it does so because God doesn't want us wandering aimlessly in this world. He, he, he wants to lead us, to guide us, and to keep us on the right path. I would hope that most all of us can rely on Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. That maybe you've got it marked in your Bible. Maybe you've got it underlined in your Bible. Maybe you've got it committed to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. What's the shortest distance between two points? Straight line, isn't it? Without the guidance of God, we're going to wander aimlessly like the children of Israel did for about 40 years in the wilderness. But when we ask for God's wisdom and guidance and we trust on His wisdom and not our own, it says He'll make our path straight. He gives us that guidance and direction where we get there quicker, with less pain, with less trouble, and with less failure. Now, I want to give you two principles, two guidelines as we bring this to a close, as you Commit yourself to being a Bible reader and studier, okay? First of all, reading the Bible won't change you unless you really want it to. If you're just going to start picking up and reading the Bible and say, well, well, God wants me to and the preacher said I should, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. But if you read the Bible with the intent that says, I want to come to know God better. I want to, come, I want to meet God. I want to know more about what God has to say to me about how I live my life. I want to be able to come clean before God. I want to find direction for my life. I want, to, I want to find guidance from God for these issues in my life. If you come before Him with that attitude, then you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to change a lot in your reading. And then, let me get under that one. Here's the sub-point, okay? When you read the Bible, then you've got to be able to say this to yourself. Every day when you pick it up, and no matter what passage you read... God's Word is talking to me about me. We have a tendency to read it and say, you know, if these people would read and understand this, they'd know where I'm coming from. Or they would know how to treat me. Or they would know how to be better people. Begin this way. God's Word is talking to me and about me. Now, here's the second principle as you read your Bible and study it. Prayer is the vital component to understanding the Bible. See, prayer is that vital communication link to God that makes what we read come to life. 
I know in my own life there have been times I just sat down and started to read, uh, whether it was on a suggested daily plan of reading or one of the read through the Bibles or if I was focusing on just a book or whatever. And oftentimes, you know, there's just so much distraction still running through my mind that I get through, I find myself that I'm through the passage and I say, well, I'm through there. Now, what did it say to me? What did I learn? What did I hear? And that's when I have to go back and start over again. And you know what's the best thing to do? Is to pray. When you open your Bible, it's simply give a prayer. A prayer that says, God, I want to open your word. I know it's going to speak about me. And it's going to talk to me. And I want you to open my heart so that I can understand clearly what you have to say to me in your word today. May I take it into my heart. May I keep it in my thought process. Because I want to live for your glory. And I want to glorify and honor you. You see how, how vital prayer is? We're going to talk about prayer next week. We're going to ask that question. How is your prayer life? We're going to talk about some of the key components about prayer. And prayer is so important to everything we do in our Christian life. It's so important for you as you go into the Word of God. That number one you've got the right heart attitude that says I'm doing this because I want to know more about God. I want to know more about God's Word. I want to learn how to live for Him and glorify Him in my life. And you pray and say God search me. And see if there's any wicked ways in my heart. Open my heart. Open my mind to understand your truth. So that I can take it in. And I can be nourished spiritually from it. Now why why am I concerned about getting back to the basics and beginning with the Bible? Well here's what I've discovered in in our Christian society today. There are so many anemic Christians today. That you don't know where to go to find a plan of salvation to help somebody be saved. You got a friend or a relative, somebody going through the last stages of life, and you don't know any words to comfort them. You don't have anything to say to them. You don't have any words of comfort or hope or strength that you could give to them. Somebody asks you a question that would challenge your faith. And we sat down as a family once again this, this, uh, during this week that we together on vacation, and we watched again the movie, God Isn't Dead. Another, you know, just a challenging, challenging movie to your faith. As the professor challenged a young man there at college. You if you haven't seen the movie, I, I suggest you, you see it. You know, we bought the DVD so we'd have it. And we could watch it as many times as we need to. But there's a challenge to your faith. How are you going to be able to defend your faith? Most Baptists don't know what they believe and why. That's why we are the most common people to fall prey to all, all the different cults that are out there. It's because we really don't know. We can, we, we're proud that we say we're people of the Bible. We just buy them and don't do anything with them. So that's why I, I think we need to go back to the basics and make no assumptions on the fact that everybody knows where we're coming from. Because so many believers have never. I, I mean, you know, I've heard people in their 70s say, you know what? I don't think I have ever read the Bible through in its entirety. Now, that, that's a shame. You missed out on some good reading. You missed out on some good reading. Now maybe this will entice you. I had a friend uh, in the business world I met through Rotary years ago. And he was going to have hip replacement surgery. So I got him a men's devotional Bible because I knew it was going to be laid up for a while. And I said, I want you to start reading this and using this. And when we got back together after he was able to get out and walk, uh, he said, man, you knew what you were doing, didn't you? And you knew I, I was a captive audience. So, so you, you gave me this Bible to read. 
And I told him, I said, don't start in the Old Testament. Don't start in the book of Revelation. But I said, start reading in the Gospel of John and read the Gospels. Well, he didn't listen to me. He started reading in Genesis. And he told me how far he had gotten. And he said, this might entice you. He said, I can't believe all this is in the Bible. You know, he said, there's murder and there's rape and there's stealing and there's killing and there's sex in there. I said, it's a good book in it. It's a good read in it. Do you think the Bible is dull and boring? Read it. You might have, yeah, when you get to Leviticus, yeah, it might be. You might need to keep praying, God, open my, open my heart. Keep my eyes open, as a matter of fact, as I read through Leviticus. No, but I think we need to go back to the elementary as we can and go back to the basics of reading our Bible. So I go back to the question asked in the sermon title. Is there any dust on your Bible? You need to get the dust off your Bible. And begin to read the word of God and put it into your heart. I hope you will. Father, we thank you for your word given to us. Uh, your word, the Bible, that gives us instruction and guidance in life and tells us how we can know you, how we can live for you, how we can live for your glory, how we can find guidance and direction in life, how we can find salvation. And Father, I pray that as a people of faith here at Spring Valley Baptist that we will be committed to being people who will read your word and we'll study your word and we'll take it to heart and allow it to transform our life. And I pray it through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, in his name and for his honor and for his glory. Amen.